0: Learning to master the downsped driveline. I'm Jim Park. This is HDT Talks Trucking, Season Seven, Episode Number Two. Engine downspeeding is a really elegant way of reducing fuel consumption and thus CO2 emissions. But if drivers won't embrace or don't use the technology properly, fleets won't see the full return on their investment. To help drivers understand how to use a downsped powertrain we've enlisted an expert on the gear-fast, run-slow concept, Jamie Hagen of Hellbent Express, based in Aberdeen, South Dakota. Jamie owns three trucks with downsped powertrains, and he drives one himself every day. He's well-known on Facebook and by his Twitter handle, Hellbent Hagen. He also has a strong following on several Facebook pages dedicated to improving fuel economy. Jamie says the lifetime average for the truck he's driving is 8.9 miles per gallon, and his best trip ever was 10.95 miles per gallon over two straight days. Jamie drives a Mac Anthem with a 415 horsepower MP8 Super Econodyne engine making 1,860 pound feet of torque. He's got an M-drive transmission and 2.26 rear ends. In this podcast, he's not promoting Mac. He's using his experience with this type of powertrain to illustrate the benefits of downspeeding and describe its proper operation it's pretty safe to say that most of the downspread powertrains in operation today work on a pretty similar principle. And for our fleet listeners, this is an episode you may want to pass along to your drivers. It'll wind up helping you in the long run. We'll be back with our downspeeding expert, Jamie Hagan, right after this. This episode is brought to you by Fleet Safety Experience, a powerful digital gathering for the fleet safety community. Presented by Automotive Fleet, Work Truck, and Heavy Duty Trucking Magazines, the 2021 Fleet Safety Experience takes place virtually September 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. Go to fleetsafetyconference.com to learn more. So, hi, Jamie, and uh, welcome to HDT Talks Trucking. How's it going? Really well. So, we're going to get into a conversation on uh, downspeeding and driving automated transmissions in just a minute, but... I want to ask you a little bit about your company and, and your background in trucking. You call yourself uh, Hellbent Express, and uh, anybody who follows you on Facebook will know that you're uh, um, just uh, absolutely all over fuel economy and fuel efficiency. How did you get to be that way? You know, how did you start your business, and how did this obsession with fuel economy develop?
1: Well, out of any uh, true success story, there's a uh, plenty of failures to begin with, right? Um, My first go around was a young lad uh, who decided he knew better than his father, so he decided to go out on his own. Uh, My dad was a truck driver uh, slash farmer. So he taught me how to drive, and we all paired up, me and my brother and him, to start Hagen and Sons uh, transportation back in the early 90s. And when I felt like I knew more than him, I struck out on my own and uh, quickly learned there was a reason why he was playing it safe, right? So I learned quickly about expenses and uh, how they can get out of control quickly. As I got into owning my own truck, I decided to get right back out of it uh, three years later. Uh, sold the truck and went to work uh, for Cliff Feastman as a company driver. Um, working with them really opened my eyes to how a guy can uh, pinch a penny. You know, they were really good at, uh, keeping track of things and, and being on top of things. And it, you know, showed me that that's the way maybe a guy should be, uh, a little tighter with the, uh, cash flow. So that started in 2010. I bought a truck and leased on with them, um, uh, and kind of learned the business more and more, realized my biggest expense really is fuel, um. Other things are almost out of your control. You know, the government has their handout uh, for all their taxes and licensing and all that, and that's all of a fixed cost. Uh, The truck you purchase is somewhat of a fixed cost. You know, it's a determined amount, but then there's the maintenance and there's the fuel. Those are the two variables that kind of ride the roller coaster up and down. So really you want to try to get those two things kind of more flat. You don't want them to ride up and down to any degree. You know, obviously there's some things out of your control there. But uh, I learned quickly that the the greater your economy, those two things kind of rode hand in hand, that you could flatten that curve out, um, even on the maintenance end of it. So um, once I kind of honed in on that, I just started targeting it and uh, kept trying harder and harder, and it just kind of blossomed, right?
0: Yeah. Okay. So that's a bit of background on you. Um, purpose of this podcast was to uh, sort of explain some of the ins and outs of downspeeding and try and get drivers, anybody who's listening, to understand that uh, you know, dr- downsped drive lines, automated transmissions. It's a it's a different kind of truck than you know some people have been used to driving all their lives with manual transmissions and what have you, uh, and it takes a bit of getting used to sometimes to. Get the uh, full advantage of that sort of a powertrain, so let's talk about downspeeding, how it works and 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 what the uh, sort of pros and cons are.
1: Well, the first thing you got to do is to spend all belief in what you know already. you know what I mean like you I wanted a downsped truck, got my downsped truck, got in it, and immediately started to not only fight it. But thought something was wrong. You know what I mean. I, I was trying to shift in manual. I was trying to keep it in a different gear. I was trying to do all these different things the way I used to do when I had a when I had a manual transmission. See what I'm saying? Like yep. I wanted the same RPM. You know, your your mind knows. You know, especially when you you're in that truck for so long, all day, day after day, day after. You you know what you know. And it's almost a second nature. It's almost like shaving. You just, you just know to, 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 you know, go from this direction on your face, and that, you know, I'm like you don't even have to think about it.
0: Yep, you're right. It's a good so analogy. I
1: started fighting it right away, and immediately noticed I wasn't getting the fuel economy that I wanted. You know, I'm like, well, what the heck is with this thing? So I call the, uh, the uh, place that I bought the truck from, and they're like, well, have you thought about just letting it do what it does? Like just. Instead of trying to fight it, have you thought about just, you know, using it, you know, the way it was designed to be used? So from that point on, I just uh, let the manual shift the way it was supposed to shift and and, uh, and let the engine run down real low the way it's supposed to, you know, and just kind of got used to the fact that it wasn't going to make a bunch of noise and RPMs. It was going to just sit down there at the bottom, nice and quiet, uh, completely void of what I'm used to. And I just kind of let go of my my belief, you know what I mean, like you, I suspended belief. So it did, from that moment, things started to take off. I noticed the fuel economy. And I started to notice uh, how to drive the truck differently. I opened my mind up to the throttle was what controlled the shifting. It wasn't my hand anymore, it was the throttle and it was my foot. So I started adjusting how I put pressure on the on the throttle pedal. And that would cause it to downshift or upshift on how light or how heavy my pressure was. So it, I quickly learned that you can't adjust, you know, to a new piece of equipment. You just got to let go of the old one, right?
0: Yeah. Well, like I said at the beginning, there are two different concepts in 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 powertrain driveline specking. Uh, what sort of RPM were you running? I mean, when you said it was sort of new to you uh, running at that low an engine speed. You went from, you said, 1,500-ish. Uh, what were you cruising at now with this new engine, or the then-new then engine?
1: Yeah, so I came out of, like, a Cummins ISX, um, was used to turning, like, thirteen to 1,500 RPMs pretty regularly, and obviously a lot of noise with that 15-liter. Um, so then I went into this, um, not only, you know, the— engine itself was a little different so it was a little bit of a pitch uh, sound difference to begin with and then on top of it now we're running 1150 to 1175 rpms and i'm not used to it being that low and then like trying to utilize all that torque right out of the gate um so you you tend to not you know you want those rpms We're used to those RPMs rising quickly and getting horsepower. We're not really used to using the torque way down low, and that's where I had to kind of adjust my thinking uh, and just letting it hang down there. Like, it would just it would get down in that 1,000 RPM range, and it would just hang there. And I'm like, God, it just doesn't seem like it should do that. <laughs> but that's what it's designed to do, you know what I mean? The engine's literally designed to handle that kind of pressure down that low, and that's the way the engineers had designed it. And they're like, they they were finally able to tap into an engineering, you know, feat and able to really run an engine down that low where all that max torques was. And, uh, you know, out of that came uh, great progress, you know. I think automated manuals kind of channeled this in, you know, cause they, they've been around longer than the downspeeding, but I think it's because of them that it's sort of uh, brought forward, you know, that they could, that they could do this. Um, now with these new HD transmissions that Volvo and Mac came out with, uh, where they've got even lower crawler gears, it's allowing everybody to use a, an even, you know, higher uh, rear end ratio to get, you know, those RPMs even lower. Uh, it's just all utilizing it. You know, uh, one thing is kind of lending itself to the another, you know, the, it, all three pieces now fit together perfectly kind of synchronized, you know, situation, which I think is just amazing. It's about time we got there, you know?
0: Yeah. And, and you know, I'm amazed at the number of people who still, you know, today ask me about Downsped drive lines, and you know what's the point of the things? They, you know, they just don't sound right. They, they don't pull right. Uh, I'm always running a gear back because that's the way I like the truck to perform. What is your own particular sort of driving style? Uh, do you intervene at all with the operation of the automated manual, or just basically put it in D and let it go?
1: I'd say ninety-five percent of the time, I'm just letting it do its thing. From time to time. The computer, which we all know isn't perfect, we'd all like to believe that machines are perfect, but the machine only can do what its programming tells it to do, and the sensors that are wrapped around it are telling it all. So no different than a human being, you know, eyesight and all that, you know, like you you call it as you see it. So every once in a while, even the machine makes a mistake. So I have to reach down there, put it in manual. Uh, either upshift or downshift or, you know, just depends on the scenario. Uh, Just because something's an automated manual doesn't mean that you won't end up shifting it from time to time. I think uh, you and I talked uh, about um, some of these don't have uh, the manual feature in them, which I think is a huge mistake if you don't get that, um, because there's just going to be times where that's Going to be what you want to do. You want to get it in manual mode, and uh, especially if you're in a bad weather situation up north here. Uh, there's times where I will uh, want to keep it in gear. I don't want it upshifting or downshifting, especially if I'm riding right on the line of an RPM that the engine wants to be in or out of. You know what I'm saying? It it's it's trying to decide. Ah, I I kind of like this gear, but I don't kind of like that gear, and it it'll kind of bounce,
0: kind of going back and but forth. That's
1: where I want to be. Speed-wise, so I'll just push the M mode and go into manual and just lock it into a gear and just and and that's a huge plus because now I mean essentially I still have a manual transmission, you yep. know what I mean? I can reach down there and push the buttons with my finger versus using my arm to pull it forward and back, you know?
0: Okay, uh, we're gonna take a short break here, Jamie. Um, When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about specific operations like downhill and uphill and how to climb a hill and how to come down a hill, how to use the engine brake to get your performance up. Some drivers complain that the engine brake performance is no good at low RPM. So we'll hash that all out when we come back. We're speaking with Jamie Hagan of Hellbent Express. If there's something you'd like us to cover here on HDT Talks Trucking, drop me an email at jpark at truckinginfo.com. We'll be right back with more from Jamie Hagan right after this. Fleet Safety Experience is back! It's the virtual version of Bobbitt's popular Fleet Safety Conference. This year's program looks at managing high-risk drivers, the relationship between technology and safety, coping with a fleet fatality, and more. The NTSB's Rob Malloy delivers this year's keynote presentation on crash investigation and highway safety. Fleet Safety Experience is all about improving safety for light, medium, and heavy-duty vehicle fleets. Go to fleetsafetyconference.com to view the full agenda. We're back with Jamie Hagen of Hellbent Express, based in Aberdeen, South Dakota. You know, Jamie, when I was first exposed to uh, a downsped driveline, it was a uh, Volvo who brought a bunch of journalists down to Greensboro to experience this new concept in powertrains. And uh, historically, I've always been a sort of a low RPM kind of guy. I just didn't like the noise. I liked a quieter engine, so I always kept my engine speed down when I could. Uh, so we went out and we drove the truck. Well, first Ed Saxman down there gave us the little cook's tour, explained how it worked, explained what they were trying to do with downspeeding. And then we went out and drove the trucks. And uh, we, when we got back, Ed asked me what I what I thought of it. And I said, well, you know, that's exactly the kind of concept that I as a truck owner would love. I said, low RPM, fuel economy, it's quieter, it's great. But I said, drivers are going to hate it because they're not going to like the way it sounds. This is one of the early, earliest renditions of uh, downspeeding and it sounded like the engine was going to come apart, it made all kinds of strange noises. And I thought you're going to have to overcome that in order to get driver buy-in. W- was that a big problem for you when you first started this? Is it distinctly different sounds at, at that low RPM?
1: Yeah, I would, uh, I would say that all played into, um, driving at the first time owning that truck. Like I said, where I was fighting it, it all just, Something just didn't seem right. Um, and I don't know why I thought that, you know, I was I wanted something different. You know, I specifically specced something different to get a different result, yet I was still trying to do the same thing. And I don't know why I thought that was going to work, right? Like, <laughs> That's human nature. <laughs> it dictates that you were going to have to change how you drive, right? Like yeah. your behavior, right?
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: Yeah, so some of the things that I learned really was um, – the noise factor was completely different. Not only did the engine sound different, like I said, like just going from that 15 liter to the 13 and the way Volvo did things, it, the engine just sounded a little different. And that's what I was, drivers are in that cab all day long and you, you, you just get completely used to it. And a lot of guys out here are, as you're going down the road and you can hear a pitch different and you'd be like, Oh, something ain't right. Like you can, you can almost, you know, that's how used to you are to that engine. Yep. Um, you can almost hear it coming. If something's about to fail or, or just something, you know, even a tire, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's times you can hear the tire getting ready to, uh, to cook off. So that's, uh, that's how in tune a lot of guys are. So that's the hard part, right? Wrapping your mind around the fact that this thing isn't going to sound the same. It isn't going to operate the same and, and, and wanting it to let it drop down in, in what guys describe as, as as a dog, you know what I mean? Like, it just feels like it's not fighting hard enough to climb. Well, you need to look at how fast you are actually going up the hill. Or, you know, I usually go the same route. Uh, we load at the same customers, go the same routes, you know. We're always leaving the same area and coming right back. So I got all these markers where I can tell if I'm actually going faster up the hill or slower. And when I would let it bog down, like really hit those low RPMs, I noticed I actually went faster up the hill versus slower, which was my perception because I wasn't making all that noise. Right.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So that's where a person has to sort of like, you know, wrap their mind around or use technology. In this case, you know, maybe time yourself or track yourself. Uh, you know, I usually go up this hill at this speed and then, you know, versus this RPM, right?
0: Well, I I think going, going back a bit in, in my day, this is maybe a little bit too old now, but I think it would be fairly common or normal for a driver to want to downshift. Uh, fairly soon, uh-huh. going into a hill, so they'll they'll have some RPM available for that first part of the climb. So you know, if you're cruising at, uh, on let's say 1200 for a number, uh, you might want to drop a gear, uh, go to 15, so you'll have some horsepower in the first part of the hill, and then you feel like the engine's working as you're starting to climb that hill. You can hear it. You can hear the turbo spool up. You think, yeah, something's happening under there. Uh, I'm going to get over this hump in uh, you know in no time. But well, what you're telling me is you're, you're better off simply to leave it alone and let this thing lug down to, what, eight 900 RPM?
1: Yeah, there's been several times where I've just um, just kind of sat right there at that 900 RPM range, uh, and I just I figured, you know, uh, these engineers designed this engine to handle this. So I'm just going to let it do its thing. And mm-hmm. if she comes apart, you know, she comes apart. You know, know, but I'm going to just let it do its thing. Like, you know, that's what their job is. And my job is to get stuff from A to B. And I don't like it when people tell me that, you know, I'm doing a a poor job at that. So I figured I'm going to let, you know, trust in them. It's kind of phenomenal if you think about it, like how things have changed. And uh, once you, you know, like I said, let your mind work in that area, you know, to, to think that this is okay, you can just let it do its thing. And it's um, it's kind of amazing to see, like, I'll only downshift one or two gears at the most, and it'll just sit there at that low RPM and just climb the hill like nobody's business, uh, using utilizing all the torque that it can. Um, the more RPMs you use, uh, actually the lower, you know, the torque curve starts to actually come down. So uh, that's the thing you want to utilize. You got to get there first, you know, mentally, you know what I mean? You got to prepare yourself. <laughs> well, that's
0: what I was <laughs> going to say. Be able but, to
1: handle
0: it. Well, when it comes to the torque curves, uh, if you're looking at a curve for an engine, and they're all going to be a little bit different, make and model sort of thing, but if you're at mm-hmm. what 1850 at 900, for example, uh, 1850 would be the rated torque for the engine, so that's maximum torque. And if you look at the curve, quite often. As the RPM goes higher, in fact, all the time, as the RPM increases, the torque drops off. So if you're at 900 uh, at 1850, if you climb that hill at, say, 1,200, you might be at 1,400 pound-feet. So you've lost 400 pound-feet of torque by running 400 RPM higher. I'm just picking a number out of my hat here. But uh, just to illustrate yeah. that your 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 torque is down where they say it is, at that low level. Uh so it's it's the opposite from horsepower, which is normally your maximum horsepower is high in the RPM range. Uh, so people are used to thinking, well, geez, i got to go to a higher RPM to get my horsepower to pull this hill. But really, it's the torque that's getting the job done, isn't it? Not the horsepower.
1: Mm-hmm. Legit. I mean, like, the truck that I have now was set at 415 horsepower. And it's still 1860 torque. So... I could bump it up to a five hundred horsepower and still have the eighteen sixty torque.
0: Yep. <laughs> so What's the what, point? what
1: did I really gain? Yeah, nothing. And, and, to, and to get those five hundred or those five hundred horsepower, I I don't get those until I'm above fourteen hundred RPMs. So it would literally be a waste of money for me uh, unless I planned on being up in that RPM range. Uh, so that's, I think that's where some people kind of lose track. They see that bigger number and they think gasoline, you know, high horsepower means a lot of speed and a lot of, you know, acceleration. Uh, a lot of cost. Too. Yeah, of cost. It, it does, but not not in the diesel world. You know what I mean? Like, and not in the efficiency world. Not in the, you know, what I mean? that's where things have you, you. You've got to kind of change the way you think, uh, and that's the hard part, really. You just As these things are catching on, I think they're going to have to have some kind of therapy for people uh, (laughs) to kind of talk them down off a ledge.
0: (laughs) Well, speaking of down, uh, let's talk about downhill operation, engine brakes. A lot of drivers say their engine brakes don't work very well at such a low RPM. What's what's your strategy to uh, improve your engine brake performance on a hill?
1: Well, there is the one thing that has not changed, not one bit. It takes a boatload of RPM to build back pressure, to build that, you know, get that uh, engine brake to work effectively. So I usually, with my automated manual, um, Volvo and Mac, and I don't, don't know a whole lot about the other uh, organizations, but they have like a, a cruise that you can actually even set going down a hill. So I pick my gear. Let's say I want to go down an eighth gear. I get it there. I set my cruise just like it would normally. And now it's, it's, It's going to keep me at 35 miles an hour in eighth gear. Uh, If it starts to run up too high of an RPM, I can either you know manually downshift, brake, you know get all that stuff kind of back to where I want it. But you are going to have to be in that 1800 to 2100 RPM range to get the max torque or uh, max uh,
0: engine brake
1: brake power out of the thing. Yeah, yeah, that's legit. Now, do you think so you might have to be normally, let's say you would be down, let, let's say normally you'd go down this hill in eighth gear, um, but with a downspit engine, you got to go down to seventh or sixth, you know what I mean? Like just to build that much more RPM yep. uh, because of the gearing that's in that, you just got to adjust how, you know, you would have normally done it So for the same result, you know, same RPM range, really.
0: So it's okay to run the engine at 1800 to 2000 RPM, 2100? That's not going to damage it? Isn't
1: that that fantastic? Yes, (laughs) quite. (laughs) They built an engine that can do it all. You know what I mean? You can run it down 900 uh, going up the hill, and then you can run it all the way up to 2100 going down the other side.
0: Well, I would bet, and I don't know this for a fact, I'm speculating, but uh, it's sort of based in, in fact, that if, as a driver, you're told to keep the RPM as low as possible all the time, then the 2000 range is like, you know, there be dragons. You... You you just don't go there. Mm-hmm. So you think maybe some of them are afraid of running the maybe, engine
1: that high? Uh, that's the hard part because now you're making a lot of noise, you know, because it's turning the engine <laughs> fan on. It's turning a lot of things on yep. to try to create as much uh, 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 line drag. You know what I mean? That's what you're looking for there, right? Like So it's trying everything it can to maximize the effort going down. Now you're just making a boatload of noise, and that's kind of the off-putting part because – you're used to this thing really just kind of, you know, very lazily, quietly moving along. And now it's just screaming, going downward, you know, and you're like, oh, my, what am I doing here? Like, but that is where, you know, you want to be. You just got to kind of adjust those two things. And they do an amazing job uh, with that. You know what I mean? The way they design their uh, engine brake, they do an amazing job. I'm really impressed with them.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's the key. Uh is for the drivers, if they haven't been told or you know instructed by their fleets on how to use the engine brake to get its you know maximum performance, uh, they probably need to go back and read the manual or watch a video on YouTube on how to do it. But basically, what you're saying uh, is you know downshift the gear you want, get it up to two thousand eighteen hundred RPM, and uh, down the hill you go. That's that's where you want it to get the maximum retarding power.
1: Yeah, and then I mean we even have a lever on here now like I said I don't know about the other manufacturers but you can actually hit max um uh, uh max uh, engine brake by just hitting this one button and it'll just it it might even jump two gears down yep. to get to the the rpm that it wants and then the, it'll just hold you know and that's once you're in that mode too it won't upshift um even I haven't tried this, you know, I haven't uh, been brave enough to run it up above 2100 RPMs. I usually stab the brakes, uh, but it won't upshift, you know what I mean, to save itself uh, at your fault. You know what I mean? Like it won't let you run away, Yep. so to speak. So that's the thing. I think some guys have a little trouble. Um, if you now, if you put your foot on the gas, that it you now told it that you want to go fast. You know what I mean? If you put your foot on that throttle... Um, training a new guy here not too long back, he, w- he was kind of wondering about that, and I said, that's the last thing you want to do going downhill, is touch that throttle. It'll immediately jump those three gears, and you'll just start, you know, and now you've got to fight to get them all back. You know, now you're now you're hauling the mail down, downwards, so that's the biggest thing, is just uh, making sure you don't do anything like that, you know what I mean? To, uh, it's not like the old days where you had it locked in a gear, you know, and uh, you could just put your foot on the throttle, uh, take the jake pressure off and then keep rolling. This thing's gonna upshift because that's what you think it thinks you want it to do. Uh, that's the one thing I learned right away was that your foot actually controls uh, the engine the you know the transmission, all of that so
0: so if you want to uh, you know if you're at a point on the grade where it's leveling out a little bit and you're in the third position on your engine brake, you'd shift it up to second or first maybe just to go easier on the engine brake, on the retarding power, rather than actually putting your foot on the accelerator and letting it roll out.
1: Legit. Use your hands. um, Either um, take down the retarding power or even manually going up one gear or something to that effect. You know what I mean? Just make sure you don't use your foot um, to accelerate in any way, because now it's it'll literally try to get it down to that 900 RPM range again. Like yep. it, It's like, oh, we're going to use max torque now, so let's just upshift. you know. And it'll skip, you know, because it's an automated manual. It'll skip through four or five gears if it needs to to get to where it wants to be uh, because you've told it that.
0: And that can be pretty scary going down a hill when suddenly you go from 8th to 12th.
1: Let's say you want to get back to 8th. It won't let you get to 8th um, if the RPMs are too high now. Yeah, You know what I mean? If right. it was going to be in 2,500 to 3,000 RPMs to get there. It's not going to let you get there. So now you're, it's, you know, now you're in ninth or 10th and you're breaking to try to get a lower. So you can get it with back within range holding power. And I think that's where some guys can just be overwhelmed or some people, I should say. And that's comes from learning, you know, like the biggest thing is keeping your mind open and learn to drive the equipment.
0: Okay. So before we wrap up our conversation here, Jamie, um, Tell me a little bit about the gears that you're running in there. Uh, you said you're, you know you're getting peak torque at 800 rpm. Can we go any lower? I mean, what's the future of uh, of the downsped drivetrain? Do you think? <laughs> I mean, how What do you want to do? Like
1: at yeah. idle, I, I you I got I, max torque. Can we get I mean. to idle? <laughs> yeah. Can we get to 600? Right? right. Yeah. Right? And and who knows that might happen? I mean, uh, they're they're already working on. Uh, I've, you know, I don't know the, the super covert uh, stuff that they're coming out with, but I have heard some rumors uh, from some engineers that there's there's some things definitely coming um, to the point where I know Dana's working on a, a 195 ratio. I would, um, 195? So I, I think the RPMs are definitely, yeah, they're, uh, I think things are going to get a little lower even yet, and uh, they're just, now that they saw the improvement, I think they're going to push to see how, you know, where's the limit? You know, like where can we go next? Um, and who knows if if it'll work? I mean, I don't know, but um, but it's definitely out there, and I think they're definitely going to try it. I mean, keep in mind they're you know they're fighting now not only other diesels but they're they're fighting you know electric coming. Yep. Uh, so if they're going to remain relevant, they're going to have to build a mouse trap. You know, so it. I think that the future is definitely. Um, Evolving. You know, these trucks are evolving. I mean, just the eight years that I've been in a downsped truck, how much they've evolved from a 264. Now I'm running 216 and uh, trying to idle the truck between 900 and 950 at 62 miles an hour. You know what I mean? Just coasting going down the road. uh, It's sort of amazing how far it's come already.
0: Oh, yeah. It really is. It's mind boggling. Do you think that 195 would be designed to be run with a direct? drive transmission for a little bit of extra fuel economy there rather than the parasitic loss you yeah. see in an overdrive? Yeah, that's,
1: right. right. That's what the goal is to get to that point. Wow. Um, to kind of turn the RPMs that I am in an overdrive uh, with a direct drive and uh, and uh, just use, you know, max, you know, just max out the whole drive line <laughs> situation. And that's where, you know, the right spec really does come into play. You really, you know, guys, they're asking me, well, I got a Mac and I, why am I not getting the fuel economy you are? And and the first thing they say is, you know, I got a 308 or a 324 rear end, you know? I'm like, well, you're turning a whole lot more RPM than I am. Yep. You know, so there's your first uh, situation. And you can still milk those uh, trucks. Um, I've used a few uh, in these rentals and I've, I've been able to still squeeze a little bit of fuel economy, but you've got to drive a little slower. Um, It's hard enough to get people to come off of 70 down to 62, but now you're driving, you know, 58. You know, you're just trying to bring them down that much more. Yeah. And uh, so that's the hard part. Um, Then a lot of these we are now gearing towards to drive 70 and still get eight miles a gallon. Uh, That's sort of the goal, you know, because time is money now. You know, in the world where, you know, big profits and money, uh, now, time is a relevant equation in that whole situation as well. Not only is it saving fuel, but you need to ride that balance. You also need efficiency and time. So, those are the things that we're, uh, we're playing with right now, I guess.
0: Can you think of uh, many applications where a downsped driveline would not
1: work? I will say that the few times that I've been off road. Or maybe, in heavy snow rpms um, you you 're going to need rpms uh, simply because as the engine starts to get pulled down if you're, if you 're down too low to begin with uh, and it wants to upshift as soon as it goes to shift, you lose uh, that moment of inertia you know what i mean you you lose momentum yep, so now you're slowing down too fast for the transmission to even catch up. Um, So I've learned quickly the minute I'm in any kind of like big, heavy snow, uh, busting drifts or even uh, getting off road, getting in any kind of mud or soft gravel, you almost got to immediately go to manual mode, uh, pick your gear, keep your finger on the pad because you might have to downshift even more, but uh, keep those RPMs up. So that way, as it starts to, you know, kind of dig and lose momentum, you aren't losing engine momentum. So those two things still haven't changed, you know.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, Jamie, thanks for that. Um, we've had a number of requests from people to, to do a podcast explaining how to operate a, an automated manual and how a downsped drive driveline works. So I think uh, you've covered all that ground very admirably. <laughs> I appreciate your expertise and your insight in that. It's been great talking to you.
1: Well, I appreciate the... The time to help uh, other people uh, learn from my mistakes, so to speak. You know, I'm a, like I said, when I first bought mine, it was a complete learning curve. And now that I've kind of mastered it, so to speak, like uh, I'd like to push that information on to others and uh, maybe we can all uh, evolve with the, uh, the environment that we got now.
0: Well, I think you did a great job here this evening, sir, and I sure appreciate it. Great talking to you, Jamie. Thanks, Jim. If you're a fleet safety and risk management professional, be sure to add Bobbitt's Fleet Safety Experience to your fall calendar. This virtual event features educational sessions and expert insights to help solve your fleet safety challenges. Fleet Safety Experience takes place virtually September 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. Go to fleetsafetyconference.com to learn more. If you're interested in fuel economy and diesel engines, check out episode one of this season's lineup I speak with the Eaton Vehicle Group's Director of Technology and Planning and Government Affairs, Dr. Mihai Dora We're going to be talking about some of the technology industry will see in the coming years as we climb the mountain that's phase two of the EPA's heavy-duty greenhouse gas and fuel consumption regulations. HDT Talks Trucking is produced by Deb Lockridge, recording and audio production by Jim Park. Heavy-Duty Trucking Magazine is published by Bobbitt Business Media. I'm Jim Park. Thanks for listening.